where we want to be in life has nothing to do with talent or what we're born with, but much more to do with our mindsets and what we know how to do. And a knowledge gap is the thing that's holding you back from reaching your true potential. Whatever it is you want to do in life, it's, 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 it is possible if you know how to do it. Joe Ignis. Um, I am from Johnson City, Tennessee, originally, uh, born in Scotland. I'm currently married to the lovely Danielle Ignis, and we live in Knoxville, Tennessee. What I currently do now is I run my own business. Um, I do one-on-one coaching. I help people start YouTube channels, podcasts, and help them integrate and build their systems um, to a scalable level. Fantastic. That seems like that would be applicable to a, a whole range of uh, businesses and clientele. I'm sure that you're very busy. I am very busy all the time. It's always it's always trying to improve the systems so I can have more capacity and hiring the next two people or whatever. And then, you know, there, there seems to be this is where the world's going and people need a lot of help. What would you say are three kind of of your main core values that you think inform the direction you've decided to take that kind of led you to this path of you know, wanting to help people in this way? What are sort of three things that are very close to you that drive how you know you conduct yourself that you um, really propelled you on this path that you're on? I was really inspired by uh, Simon Sinek. He, he wrote a book called um, The Infinite Game, and he just does a really good job explaining values and connecting your why with purpose and your business and different things like that. And so the values that came out of that was just supremely surrounded by the desire to actually make an impact and help people. Mm-hmm. Where money, you know, money's a byproduct of adding value to human beings. And, you know, if you get paid well for it, what you do, that's great. You're solving problems. But at the end of the day, my entire goal and purpose in life is to help others do what inspires them. You know, the values that, you know, kind of sculpt how I work with people, how I treat people, why I create content is simply based around this idea that is the central focal point of my upcoming book, which is about how. Our problems have the potential to limit us, or if we face our problems head on, we have the potential or we have the ability to reach our true potential in life. And after doing seven summers with Southwestern and meeting over 22,000 people in just seven years, which to put that in perspective, I looked up some studies before this, there seems to be some controversy about the average number of people that you'll meet in a lifetime, somewhere between 10 and 80,000. I know that's a big range, but (laughs) if you use the 80,000 as the higher end range, just to um, avoid any controversy. Um, a lot of people who do Southwestern, which many people listen to this, who have done seven summers or more, have probably met about that many people. You've met 25% of what an average person would meet in about 7% of the time, assuming you live about 100 years. That's pretty remarkable. Uh- <laughs> yeah. And so meeting all those people, there's just these trends, these problems, right? These things that we wanted to, I, I wanted to help people with from whether I learned it from a mentor or my dad or, or friends or interactions or from just doing the hardest door-to-door sales job you could ever do with Southwestern. It seemed that there was a knowledge gap, which is the name of my company now. Um, we, I believe that where we want to be in life has nothing to do with talent or what we're born with, but much more to do with our mindsets and what we know how to do. And a knowledge gap is the thing that's holding you back from reaching your true potential. Whatever it is you want to do in life, it's, 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 it is possible if you know how to do it. And that's why I, I do coaching. I think people have knowledge gaps in these five areas. Purpose. I think people don't know their purpose. People have belief barriers. They're not very optimistic. On average, people dream too small. They limit themselves in what is actually possible and what they could really accomplish if they focused. 
people are selfish. They struggle with selflessness and sharing, myself included. And people struggle with this idea of being a student of the game, being a student of the game, meaning that they accept failure as part of the growth journey to success. And that's what shaped the Knowledge Gap Company and the problem with potential, which will be coming out in December. But you mentioned your uh, your experience, obviously, going door to door with Southwestern. Tell us, if you would, how you first came to learn of the program in the first place. How did you even find out about it? This is a great question. This is this is um, a man named Jacob Green, who's, who's one of my best friends, uh, came into my economics class at the University of Tennessee in 2016. And he did the old-fashioned paper survey announcement in the class. And I was a freshman accounting student who had gone to an accounting fair um, pretty recently and got rejected by every internship because you're a freshman and have no experience. And so I was I was hungry looking for something and I came to college wanting to have an opportunity. And so heard it from this this little announcement, filled out the little paper survey, got a call a few weeks later, went to an info session. And then he and Danny Johnston, uh, who now works at Thinking Ahead, um, you know, did a, did my presentation and then, you know, the rest is basically history from there. So what exactly were your initial thoughts? What was it you heard or read specifically about the program that uh, piqued your interest or got you excited? What what part of it did you latch on to? You know, I think for me, um, just the fact that most people couldn't do it mm. was it actually the most motivating piece. Most exciting part is like being able to do things that others feel like they can't do. Although I would argue that based on the European success and some of the success of the students that I personally recruited, anyone could go sell bookstore or because how great the training and the systems are set up for a rookie success. But I think as a freshman in college, I just wanted to differentiate myself and I wanted to prove to myself that I could do anything I put my mind to because it was the basis of, of real life at this point and uh, I was paying for everything. So <laughs> I needed to, need to set some things up and need to make some money and I, I want to have a legacy and I didn't want to have a boring summer and I didn't want to have um, an average life in general and I just felt like you know, when you're 18 in college, now's the chance to actually start taking actions towards that legacy. And hmm. you, know, you can either put it off and say you're not ready or you can go after it. So, you know, I just went after it. I, I don't remember being too scared or nervous about the door to door part. I I think I leaned heavily upon uh, some fundraisers I used to do in middle school where I would literally just go door to door in my neighborhood and I would win some prizes and different things. So I just, <laughs> I don't know. I just didn't think that it was really that crazy um, to be successful with it. You know, yeah. You mentioned you wanted to do something to challenge you. That's something we obviously hear from a lot of people is that it was a challenging experience. Was it ever challenging enough that you actually considered uh, giving up at any point, or did you always sort of know that? Oh no, I'm I'm going to do this. <laughs> are you talking pre-summer or post-summer? Because those are two different stories. Probably. Uh, yes, I'm a pretty committed person, so. You know, whenever I signed that paper, I remember asking uh, Jacobs, like, so like, do I have to do it if I sign this? He's like, no. And I'm I'm sort of like a legal, you know, nerdy person where I was like, I just want to make sure I know my options. But um, leading up to the summer, I was really never, I was all in, you know? I mean, mm -hmm. the only the only thing that was holding me back from 100% commit maybe at the beginning was my brother and I were trying out for a semi-pro soccer team at the time. So, you know, that was a summer league. So I was like, well, if I got mm -hmm. that, I'm probably going to do that instead. But, you know, that didn't end up working. I ended up really injuring my ankle, um, which was a good God thing at the point, you know, at that point, right? We don't have yeah. injuries <laughs> as a good God, you know, inspired event, but it was good for me and it led me to go sell books. And so, you know, when I was selling, I think somewhere around week two or three, you know, I remember um, there's a couple stories and, and actually uh, 
both of these stories are in my book because they were very life altering moments for me um, and helped bridging the knowledge gap of belief, right? Mm -hmm. um, and purpose. I'll just give you a, a brief of briefly both of them. One I was with my manager, uh, Zachary Slayball. He's, he's a great guy. And uh, I was training with him and I back out of this driveway in the country and I bang my back left, um, you know, a bumper and tire on this massive green cattle uh, fence. And I pop my tire and I dent the heck out of my left side of the car. And, you know, whenever that happens, you're just hearing the, you're hearing the air go out of the tire as much as it's going out of your soul. Mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah. And so I, I remember pulling forward and you know, at the time I'm 18 and, and this was the absolute end of the world for me at this time. And uh, I remember not knowing how to change the tire. I was luckily enough, I had my manager right there with me and he changed the tire with me and he taught me how and all these different things. And I remember that day was one of those moments where, you know, like, man, this is stupid. I hate this. This is so frustrating. I had to pay for this tire. I've made no money so early in the summer. Um, but it was a moment where, you know, deciding to come up with a really good story, like, okay, I'm going to, I'm going to go, regardless of what happens today, I'm going to go make a good story that I can tell people the rest of my life. Something Zach told me in the car. And so I went out and worked the rest of the day and had two customers at the end of the day, um, back to back, you know, eight thirty nine fifteen or whatever. And, and it ended up being a really good story that I tell everybody now that if you just keep going and you finish and you work hard, then things will work out and always go to, towards your standards because you never know if the last two are going to buy, right? <laughs> Versus the rest of the nose. Um, you know, not not long after that, which was that was a great story of, of overcoming and, and wanting to probably quit. I was in this neighborhood working and, you know, I remember coming out. Um, it's real nice, you know, pedicured, nice bunch of families, new neighborhood. I remember coming up to this mom and um, she's outside playing with her kids, doing something. Maybe there's a little baby kid's pool. I don't know. And she just sort of freaked out, you know, like, no, 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 don't come over here. Don't come over here. One of those. I don't. Did you sell books? I didn't. No, no, no. You didn't? Okay. Well, just imagine a, a nice looking mom just putting her hands up and just freaking out and screaming at you basically to just not come on her driveway. You're like 30 feet away. Right. <laughs> <laughs> that's how that sucks. But you know, I was at that point. I was like, I'm bulldozing. I don't care. So I went over to the next house and uh, they, I, they let me ride in. They bought for me her next door neighbor. How funny is that? Right. And I remember at the end of that being like, Hey, so do you guys mind taking a picture with me? So Post it on Facebook. We're going to be because that's part of the process for marketing. And they said, Oh, we don't have Facebook. And that was the first time I was like, huh, they don't have Facebook. They were really nice to me. Why is this happening? You know, this is 2016 when Facebook started to become very relevant in the right. selling game. And um, I leave that house and I never recommend anyone do this, but I put all of my stuff in my car and I just said, you know what? I'm going to go talk to this lady and figure out why was she so rude to me? Because I just like don't get it. Like, why are people so rude to people? <laughs> you know? And so I went up and I just asked her, I was like, hey, you know, I'm not trying to sell anything. And she was still freaking out for about 10 seconds. I slowly walked towards her with my hands up like I was, you know, going to be shot or something. And, um, I was like, hey, so like, why are you being mean to me? I'm like a nice 18-year-old prime paying right through college, helping kids with school. Like, what's going on? Like, what yeah. did I do to you? And she, you know, the the, the shoulders, you know, slump a little bit. And there's just some relaxation um, on her face. And she sort of leans back in her chair. She says, oh, well, on Facebook, some of the women basically said that you were really pushy and that you were rude to many, many women and did not treat them well. And she said it 
similar in that tone almost, not in a way that was trying to hurt me, but she just said this stuff. And I had I had never been rude to anyone from my perspective the entire time. I'm just door-to-door salesperson <laughs> knocking on the door. Sometimes is rude for people, right? And so I remember turning around and just starting to ball. Absolutely disgusting cry. Because <laughs> that's just like against my, that's against my whole throat of being of just like women thinking I'm like aggressive or something towards them. And so I remember doing that on the car and I kind of speed up my walk to get in the car. I pull around the curb so she can't see me cry, you know, and I'm crying in my car. And there was a moment where I think everyone goes through this, but it's just like, man, I don't need this crap. This is nonsense. This is, this is, this is insane. Like why would, you know, why would anyone go through with this? Mm. And, um, that moment of wanting to quit though, you have to go through that, that that's a problem with potential. If you don't go through like, why am I doing something and you hit a wall and you figure out how to overcome it, you'll just say the wall is too strong for you. And I think you overcome the problem of purpose there. And so I just asked myself a simple question, a selfless question, which was really important because at that point, I think when you're 18, almost everyone's pretty selfish. <laughs> um, and, you know, I was, you know, in that phase of life there. And so, but I said, you know what, if one kid went to college at some point, because I knocked on their door and they bought, their parents bought some stuff for me, mm-hmm. would the entire summer be worth it versus a normal job? And my answer was, yeah, absolutely. Because otherwise I'm just making eight bucks an hour or 10 bucks an hour, 15 or whatever. And then I go home and play video games or whatever. Yeah. <laughs> the same old friends, the same old impact, right? And so with that realization of the butterfly effect, this idea that one small thing that you do that you may not even realize you did, you may even talk to the person again, but you made this positive ripple in their life. Mm-hmm. Who knows what that's going to do? And there's actually a chapter in my book that goes over the story of um, William Wilberforce and George Washington and the story of um, of Billy Graham. Probably never heard of this person. Have you ever heard of Edward Kimball? No. Okay, so Edward Kimball is a nobody uh, pastor from the 1800s who he used to walk between his church and home and pass a shoe store. And there was this guy that was this shoe salesman, real nice guy. I can't recall his name right now. I'd have to pull up my book and, and and read his name. But, you know, he was just just a local dude doing shoes, whatever. And at some point, he's passed this place probably hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of times. He just said, you know what? I'm going to go invite this guy to church or whatever. And so he invites him to church. This guy comes to church, ends up, you know, becoming Christian. And then, you know, he goes on to a life of ministry and, and, and starts speaking and different things. Um, and he actually becomes a very, very influential pastor, ends up going to England, and he ends up um, inspiring um, Moody Bible College, was named after mm-hmm. the yep. same guy right there. So that guy um, you know, comes to the U.S. So they, it's all connected to Edward Kimball here, um, you know, from that one moment at the shoe store, right? And then, you know, Moody comes over. He's doing a lot of evangelical speaking. He inspires another person, and this person's doing smaller events. He's not even like the biggest of the big, and you know, this guy, this little, this, this teenager, Billy Graham comes into um, his tent or whatever, his like event, it comes into the event and um, he ends up becoming a Christian. And then he goes on to speaking in front of literally millions and millions and millions of people mm-hmm. internationally all over the world for his entire life. And so the idea is that I think a lot of people will try to make themselves smaller than they are because Edward Kimball, although not the most famous person you'll ever meet, he did that. That's one of the most motivational things to think about is that small moment. Um, and I think it's one of those convicting things too of when we're um, kind of ugly with people. You know, that small moment could go the, the other direction, which, you know, it's not something we'd ever, I'd never want to, to be, uh, you know, my impact to be that negative. So right. um, that's what I thought of and that's what motivated me past quitting. 
Um, yeah, and that's, I think that's something to really think about that I think a lot of people do. Were there any experiences you had as far as, you know, the turf you were given to work on, where you traveled to, or perhaps as far as someone that you got the opportunity to meet who uh, maybe became a, a big help later? Any opportunities you had as far as, you know, experiences, places you went, people you met via the Southwest program that you believe you otherwise would not have had? I think this is in my chapter called Why We Need You to Reach Your Potential, okay. um, which is chapter two. So so there's this incredible man that works at Southwestern Advantage who I believe is VP of marketing now, Trey Campbell. That's, right, he's VP of marketing. Yes, okay. Or communica uh, communications VP or something. of communications, yeah, yeah. dang That's it. Okay, thank you. Don't quote me on it. But he's an amazing man. Back in, what, 2017, after my second summer, um, he was just pioneering these mission trips, um, which I believe is now either a sister company or spinoff nonprofit. They're awesome, though. They, they um, constantly are having these mission trips every one to three or four times a year and they'll they'll, they'll have 10 or 15 southwestern advantage students go mm -hmm. with and it's super impactful when you see different parts of the country first or second one i think it was the second one at the time i think there was a group before it was the year before um we had gone to nicaragua and i have a whole story of almost missing a flight which you can read in the book which is actually <laughs> a kind of wild miracle that i uh made the flight it just it still doesn't even make any sense to me and i don't even know if i did it justice in the story in the book um but anyway, I almost missed this flight and I get on this flight and I'm going to Nicaragua and I remember getting there at wee hours of the morning, two or three a.m. or something wild. And then it's a you know a two hour bus ride to this small town called Masatepe and um, trying to sleep through that was one of the hardest things. But um, the person that we met there who was in charge of the mission, um, her name's Claire Green now. It was Claire Whitcomb back then. She's married to Jacob Green, the guy who recruited me actually. Mm -hmm. um, and so she was, she was running the mission and, um, and she had sold for three summers out of Baylor. And so she was connected to Trey in that way with the Southwestern Network, um, you know, of all the alumni and all that kind of stuff. And so we were going there. We went there for about 10 days. Masatepe is about 40,000 person um, little town um, or minor city in, in Nicaragua, pretty far from the capital, um, you know, relatively speaking, because um, Nicaragua was a very small country. Um, but that experience in itself was just wild. I remember, you know, coming in and we're, we, we're just passing out that first day or whatever, but waking up and going through some training on how to have the most impact while you're there, what you're going to learn, what you're going to look for, how to build relationships, et cetera. And there's this, there's this presentation and they're talking about this mentality of giving back and, and purpose and selflessness and wanting to serve others. And there was this incredible concept that's also in this chapter called the ovarian lottery. This has to do with this idea that if everyone had a lottery ticket, right, um, that's what you're born with, right? Mm -hmm. You have this, there's this lottery and you don't get to choose if you win or not, or if you're born, right, what you're born with, who, you're, who your parents are. You're not choosing that. You're not choosing what hospital, you know, um, of where you're going to come into this world and what country and all these different things. And so... He was just going through some of the statistics of what the ovarian lottery is like. Now, I'm a big believer that you know, if you're in, in the ovarian lottery, if you're winning on the education or knowledge piece, you ought to share that with people. Because the idea is that, I don't know, let's just use financial you know, success or something as, as sure. a model, right? If, if Bill Gates' son is ticket one, and then the, the untouchable in India, who's in the lowest of the low caste system, you know, not even... You know, basically a part of society is sort of like the worst ticket or somebody, I don't know, somebody with an incurable disease or something. I don't know, right? 
Mm-hmm. Obviously, that's no fun at all. You know, everything in between is basically the opportunity. So wherever you're born into, right, whatever genes you come into, those those are what you're born with. And then there's some circumstances. Do you have access to education? And I think the statistics, and I've got the statistics cited in my book, but the um, the it's from UNICEF. I think it's there's a 22% chance that you are born in a country with access to education and healthcare. And then if you're born in the U.S., there's like a three or five percent chance to be born in the U.S. Mm-hmm. So the whole idea is that you know if you are born in a developed country, you're going to naturally, circumstantially have more education um, and more opportunities. Um, I was actually just wa- finishing a, a, a show um, on Netflix that's centered around this idea, at least in the very last episode, called "The Fall of the House Usher." You ever heard of that? I I, yes. yeah, I watched it actually. <laughs> you just watched it? Perfect. Yeah. That's awesome, right? The Fall of Usher is a show on Netflix that. Um, is compiled and and based off of Edgar Allan Poe's works. So each episode is about a different work and they all come together and there's a work called The Fall of the House of Usher. It's about the super rich billion billionaire trillionaire family who have everything in the world at their fingertips and how these people basically um, make a, the, a deal with the devil and sell their soul or essentially sell their future in order for all of the rich fame and all this stuff. Now, and in the very, this is a spoiler alert, uh, in the very last episode, they're sort of showing the impact that they had on the world. It's very negative, we'll say at the very least. And the whole idea is that, you know, when you're given much, you ought to give much instead of when you're given much to hoard everything. And that's the idea of the ovarian lottery. It's like, hey, listen, whatever your ticket was, it, it really doesn't matter. You're, you're going to have circumstances. On average, you're going to have, you know, if you're sort of in the US or in some developed place, on average, you're going to have the ability to produce more things and have better things. And I think there's a culture when you're in sort of that, let's say 22%, that may not be the perfect thing on the UNICEF website. But if you're in that 22%, I think there's some greed that happens, right? <laughs> where we where we just hold, we just try to make our best situation, whatever the best situation is, um, instead of trying to do what, like reach our true potential and help others, right? Because if we actually pushed ourselves, we could probably solve some problems in the world, right? Um, yeah. And still, if you have a bad lottery ticket, <laughs> There's still people who overcome their circumstances, right? <laughs> um, and so success is, has nothing to do with circumstance. It has everything to do with mindset, right? Life's 10%. What happens to you 90%? How you react to it. Mm-hmm. And so he said, hey, you've, you, you're from the US. You're in the 5%. You've won, you've won the lottery, essentially. What are you going to do with it? You know. And he's like, some people waste their fame and fortune and do all this different thing. And like they throw it all away. Other people hide it from people. Yeah, what are you going to do essentially with your lottery winnings? And I think that's a question that's a really important one to decide, especially early on. Although I think regardless of where you're at, if you haven't decided what you're trying to do with it, reaching your true potential, in my opinion, has in the pursuit of helping others. If you're doing something that's just personal gain, I just don't think you're really accomplishing what you actually want to accomplish. What we all truly deeply want to see is other people be successful as well. You know, that trip was awesome. There's, there's a, there's a lot of good stuff in there um, from that trip. And that was all because of Southwestern and Trey Campbell. So probably a good segue. Um, It sounds like because of that, um, just because of that whole ethos and because of that trip, uh, you know, in, in particular, that very nicely kind of set you on the path professionally that you're on now to, doing what you do today, writing the book that you've written. Walk us through that, um, kind of what happened, you know, once you graduated, transitioned out of the Advantage program, uh, how you ended up 
uh, where you are now. So I graduated in 2019 in December. So I graduated in three and a half semesters, um, accounting and finance degree. I never wanted to be an accountant. I thought the idea of <laughs> sitting behind a screen, and this is no offense to accountants. If it's your thing, it's your thing. But this Well, is- it's, it's known to be one of the most stressful jobs. Uh, you know, it, it's, it's like top three for, for most stressful every year. So um, it's not surprising that you wouldn't. Yes, absolutely. You know, it's just philosophical. I'm very philosophical. If you can't tell from all the philosophy that we've been talking about and, and ideas in this book, it's very motivating to me. But the idea of just counting other people's wealth as what I do was completely in conflict with the purpose of wanting to help as many people as possible. Mm. Even though as accountants, you're obviously helping people with financial success, um, you know, and you're advising and there's a lot of consultations and things, which I get. It's just not at the scale that I want to be at, mm-hmm. if that makes sense. That's, that's mm-hmm. not enough not enough impact for me in the traditional way. I'm sure there's some amazing accountants out there who are just changing the world, you know, for doing that, right? It's not to discourage. It's just more of to say for my personal personal preference. So, okay. So anyway, I graduated 2019. I full-time recruited. So I'd recruited six, seven years because my, my first one, you can't, you know? <laughs> so I recruited 43 sales reps um, throughout that time. First year full-timing was at University of Tennessee. I had great teams before this. I had that was a year of a bad team that made me reinvent myself, which is really, really good for me. All, all of the hardest moments when, when you go through the most pains when you learn the most. Um, another central theme of the book. Um, so I did that for a year and then I went on to recruit again and then I moved to Michigan State. So I took this whole approach of ship out, new fresh start <laughs> and recruit from scratch at a different place. I had a group back in Tennessee, but I recruited there um, for two years and then I ended up building a DSL base the year after that. So then I was a district sales leader. Um, I was 24 when I was a district sales leader. When I was doing all the math. That's so funny. There's a um, a district sales leader there right now, Vicki Barber, who is just younger than me, but I think she was the youngest ever district sales leader and I was the second. Okay. So that was sort of my claim to fame. <laughs> um, you know, who knows if that's really true, but I'm pretty sure it is. Right. So anyway, I did that October of last year. Uh, my wife and I, so I got married in the time of becoming a district sales leader. And then- Congratulations. First year. <laughs> Thank you. Um, and so at that point, the second year though, um, it just got to this point where we wanted to be a little bit more rooted um, in Knoxville. And so we transitioned out last October. So that's almost, that's 13 months ago. So, yeah. So I think October 31st was my technical last day. So it's Literally 12 months at the recording of this episode, mm-hmm. <laughs> November 1st, <laughs> which is wild. So um, so 12 months go by, right? So let's let's go through each month. So um, right when I was done, I was already doing some part-time startup work with some friends um, at a company called Elevate Wellness that we were all partners in. So it was a fitness company. Um, at this time, we were pioneering how to sell fitness coaching exclusively through Instagram and Zoom. Hmm. social media marketing to the max. And so we were actually able to do that really well. Um, I believe Zane Gallagher is ahead of, in charge of that company now. Um, so so we, we learned all this stuff. We made it happen. It was very replicatable. And um, we just got to this point in uh, around January, December, where I was in my room or too much working on the computer, not enough actual human interaction for me. Mm-hmm. So it had nothing to do with anything other than I just didn't want to live this way. And so I, you know, I had like a, a steak. And so I just 
gave my sold my stake back for as cheap as possible because I didn't want to ruin the business for them because you know we were all in it together type thing. Mm-hmm. And then January, I was like, okay, what am I going to start doing? Well, I guess technically I probably sold that off in March, um, but January. So I was you know basically just made that decision, and then January of 2023, my realtor, because um, I had started a YouTube channel, a podcast um, previously, and that took me about six months to get going. By the way, last July to December of 2022, that was uh, hard, um, but I started to get some momentum and I was doing some speeches at fraternities and different things at University of Tennessee just to inspire young people to um, greater heights, you know? And so, mm-hmm. but she was like, I was going to actually pitch her on, Hey, do you want to advertise so you can help recruit people and like meet college students? Cause at where she was working, Keller Williams, they, they used to recruit, co- they still do recruit college students. Um, and she flipped it on me. He's like, actually, can you teach me how to do a podcast? Let me tell you my story. And she told me this incredible story. Um, it's really not, it's not incredible. It's just, a, it, it's an incredible overcomer story. She basically went through, she ended up losing her husband and had to take on everything in her life as a single parent after many, many years of being married. Um, but it's the story of how she wants to help other women um, not feel alone. And then we ended up doing this coaching where I was like, sure, I'll teach you everything I did, you know, and this, she was my guinea pig client. And so I started <laughs> teaching her how to start a podcast. We were able to do what I, it took me six months to do in about two months um, helping her find a niche, a name, a logo, the whole nine yards. Mm-hmm. I put this whole company together around her um, at the start, and uh, we came up with "Mom, You're Not Alone," and that's her YouTube channel, and that's her her uh, podcast now. Um, and so her name's Brandy Light, and that's how you find her on YouTube. She's awesome. But um, and then that turned into doing some talks at Keller Williams and different real estate offices, and um, people just being really drawn to my personality and, and um, what I had to offer and branding and. That turned into one-on-one coaching and, and really this overall business growth coaching because of the startup experience and being a district sales leader and then being a top 0.1% salesperson at Southwestern and, and just being really successful. I was able to piece together all the part, you know, piece together all the most important parts of the puzzle to mm-hmm. help people have success and growth in their businesses. And so um, that turned into three more talks and at, at different companies and then 19 clients super fast <laughs> um, and then building out the coaching program over the summer while I'm coaching people, um, almost building the plane as we're flying in a good way. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> It was all in my head, but writing it all out just needed reminders from and promptings from what the clients needed, you know? And so then um, going on another speaking tour, six more speeches and then another like, I think I've had over 35 or something clients at this point in just the first 10 months. Um, now I'm in a building, which you can't see if you're the viewer now, but I have an office and um, uh, established space and um, working towards getting massive contracts with businesses that have hundreds of employees now, which is just, I never expected this. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I never was, I never was, oh, this is what I'll do. It just kind of fell into place um, through some networking and some people believing in me and um yeah, it's been a blast. So that's that's where we're at today, essentially. So I have a YouTube channel at Joe Ignis on YouTube where I put out content that helps people generate leads and sell better and run businesses better. And I'll be doing a 16 uh, video series for every chapter of the book going forward um, as well. And I think we're at about a thousand subscribers in the first 10 or 12 months or so, something like that, um, which is which is a great achievement, you know? So, and then we're coming out with a book. So that's that's basically what's happened in the last 12 months. We've been uh, I've been hard at work, I guess, <laughs> going, going for it. 
So tell people, if you would, just again, the name of the book, uh, what they can find in it, uh, where they can get the book, and um, and then also, you know, beyond the book, uh, what's kind of the, you know, the five, the 10-year outlook, the master vision for where you're going to take this thing? Yes, good question. That's a great question. So the book itself is called The Problem with Potential, How to Stop Overthinking and Get Out of Your Own Way. Um, what you'll find in that book is a you know, a collection of stories and studies that help you master your mindset to reach your true potential. Um, I go through, I probably have like 40 studies in there and, and stories of successful people and it, and it breaks down how they got to where they got. And it really helps you pinpoint the root causes of what causes us to procrastinate, what causes us to overthink, what causes us to not be confident, um, and how to, actually become more confident, figure out the goals, find the purpose, and reach your potential. So that's how I've set up the entire book. Here's the problems with potential that we need to overcome. And the problem with potential to reach it um, has to do with overcoming um, these problems, one, and but also just it's, it's painful. Mm -hmm. the problem with reaching your actual potential. It's really painful. It's hard. And so it just, it just lays all of that out in a way that's um, thought-provoking and interesting, and I set up the book in a way where we have um, these these points um, every few paragraphs or pages to where you can get the points without it being too dense of a read, if that makes sense. So that's yeah. how I've got it set up. I actually gonna, I have a free workbook that's in the book itself um, that comes with the book to help you help you work through um, what you're reading because I believe that. It's not about reading 32 books in a year. It's about reading six and applying every principle from each book. Mm -hmm. um, so I made that to, to make it easier. And it's got these templates and schedule templates and my ideal schedule in there, exactly what I do every day. Um, and all these examples to help people find purpose. So it's, it's just laid out in a way to where by the end of the book, you can understand tips, strategies, who to surround yourself with, and understanding the psychology of how we hold ourselves back so you can overcome it. Um, and my last chapter is, is one of my favorites. It's really the capstone that puts everything together called the growth curve. Mm -hmm. And it goes through uh, multiple different successful people. And throughout the whole book, it's building up to this moment of this curve where every single step on the curve is outlined, like how to be successful is outlined through the rest of the book. So there's like 15 steps to be successful and every chapter hits what's holding you back from approaching that step. And the curve just shows how success starts with, you know, your mindset, belief, and confidence, which starts with your self-talk, which leads to action and that action leads to failure. And that's where some people stop, for example, right? But many people stop at self-talk <laughs> and many people stop at, um, you know, just belief in general. Um, and that comes from your externalities, your, who you spend your time with, Right. Um, and though from actions and failure, if you push through enough failure, you'll eventually get to the other side. And there's a bunch of steps in there that I won't mention. But if your purpose is big enough, that's where you end up scaling your business, your lifestyle, your impact, what you do is scaled to the level and magnitude of your actual purpose. So that's what's in the book. And uh, there's more than that, but there'll be a lot of YouTube videos on there yeah, <laughs> that yeah. get you nice sneak peeks. So yeah. <laughs> um, there's going to be a lot of stuff to go with it. I really want I want people who buy the book to have an incredible experience and recommend it to their friends because it actually helped them instead of just being like, oh, Joe wrote a book. You should buy the book because of Joe. So like, no, no, I want mm -hmm. I want there to be real change in your life. So if you buy the book and you go through the things, um, 
you know, I want it, I want it to change your life in a positive direction. You know, just like Edward Kimball with the small little words to the shoe salesman. I just want that book to be that little positive thing that might set you on the course and uh, be a part of the journey of your success, even though you're going to do the hardest parts. Yeah, absolutely. So what's the, uh, what's the vision for five, 10 years out? Uh, what comes after this? Five or 10 years out. Um, I plan on doing at least five books, but I'll, yeah. I have, I'll have more. <laughs> yeah. Um, I've got, a, I've got a few ideas I won't say on here, but one would be centraled, uh, or centralized around this idea of how we distract ourselves into, um, yeah, we distract ourselves from actually being happy. Um, and many will be about business and sales and recruiting and, and leading good teams and, and how to you know, start podcasts and YouTube channels and, um, a book about, um, how to, actually build an audience and, and instead of just building the 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 normal business structure with how um, business is run in, in today's world um so so expect lots of books um in the future um and, and as my as the business grows you know i want to be speaking all over the country all over the world impacting as many people as i can and um eventually having some conferences and bringing like-minded um inspirational people together to to just make the world a better place and in the meantime, uh, working one-on-one -on -one with incredible leaders, because if I, if I, I believe that if I help leaders um, grow and become the best versions of themselves, they're going to help other people that they reach um, do the exact same. So if I want to help and impact the, the maximum amount of people um, with the strengths and skill set that I have, it's going to be helping leaders um, lead other people better. So that's what I'll be doing. That's the strategy. Well, Joe, sounds great. Thank you so much for making some time to join us today and best of luck and continued success with the book, which is out now. Yes. Thank you so much. Um, and I guess this would be a point where I could plug the, the website or Amazon. Please do. Yes. <laughs> JoeIgnis.com is my website. So you can see all the stuff that I do there, but JoeIgnis.com slash the problem with potential. That'll take you right to um, the book landing page, or you can go on Amazon and just Google the problem with potential or not Google, Amazon. Do you Amazon things now? Amazon, <laughs> the problem with potential or Google the problem with potential. Hopefully it'll pop up at the top of Google. It's pretty, it will be pretty new by the time this episode comes out. But uh, my website, you'll find it um, if you go there. All right, wonderful, perfect. And remind me, which day, uh, specifically which day does this book drop? This book is coming out- On the 2nd? Uh, actually, it's actually coming out on the 9th now. The 9th, okay. Uh, some production issues. So it's coming out December 9th. And okay. um, if we could add this into the actual show real quick, could I say one more thing? Please. Sweet. Um, by the way, the first 100 people who buy the book and download the workbook is going to be invited to a free Zoom kickoff conference um, where we're going to help everyone have an incredible start to the year in January um, by giving them, by answering questions from the book, by giving them tips and tricks or tips, what's the word? Be giving them tips and strategies to actually accomplish their goals instead of just setting them and then losing all motivation by February. So if you want to come to that, um, scan that QR, QR code as fast as you can when you do get the book and uh, you, you'll get emailed to you once you put in your email and we'll invite you to that free conference um, where we'll have some cool speakers as well as myself giving you some tips to have a really good 2024. But every single year, um, we're going to have a January conference um, to help everyone start their year off on the right foot with speakers and strategies and tips to actually set realistic and achievable goals for the next year. So that way they can go reach their potential in life. And, and that's totally free. Um, and so you're invited for that. If you if you end up buying the book and scanning the QR code inside to get your workbook, you'll be invited to that this year. 